We just keep constant stories of how squads have like really changed the trajectory of people's experience in New York. We have the infrastructure around our squads that supports the community. So we have a WhatsApp group for each squad. So that really gives the people an opportunity to kind of see via profile who they're training with, it provides an outlet for them to speak with one another inside out of classes and organize things. Then we have a range of other WhatsApp groups. We've got Formula One, we've got Barbie appreciation groups. You know, we've got- Oh, that's so cool. Like based on interest, yeah. That's right. So people kind of self-select triathlon groups. We've got, you know, every group you can think of, we've, we've kind of got it. What really cool story was when all the layoffs were happening in tech in, in New York, there was a WhatsApp group that got started called Jump Board. And it was just so cool to see people go, all right, this is someone who self-selects into our community. They are into squads and they are into helping each other out. And the amount of jobs that got kind of handed out and given in that period. Wow. Just in the community, I would say six or seven people got hired within four or five months who've lost their job. That's amazing. Yeah. And that that's the kind of stuff where you walk away and you're like, I don't, I don't care how profitable this is. I don't know how- like, Of course. We'll go where, where it goes, you know what I mean? But if that's what we're creating, then, you know, I'm happy. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to two studios, we'll go to a hundred studios, whatever it needs to be to continue to deliver that. Cause that's the, the really cool stuff. Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What is up, Fix listeners? Welcome back to our latest episode of the Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Huber, and we've got a guest for you guys today, and that is Dane McCarthy of The Athletic Clubs. The Athletic Clubs is, as somebody who has been in the group fitness space for a decade, is such a unique concept to me. Dane will get into it. He'll explain how all of it works, but it's basically this idea of training in a group known as your squad. And for those of you out there, I know there are many of you who listen to the show who participate in group fitness. I think you'll be really interested in how this concept works and its origin story as well. Essentially what happens is when you become a part of this facility, unlike signing up for a class at a specific time, you actually get grouped into a squad with an assigned training schedule twice a week, which ultimately allows you to really forge very personal relationships with not only the coach you're training with, but the people that you're working out with too. So as just an overarching theme and message for this podcast, we talked a lot about the power of community, but really the power of connecting with other people in real life. Obviously in the last four years or so, it's just with the inability for us to do that through different phases of the pandemic, I think it's become even more important for people to have those outlets, but it's really, really interesting to see in a space that has so many different concepts going on. And there's so many different gyms you can pick from how Dane and his team have really kind of carved out this very specific space, just in the way that they're going about connecting other people and how that then trickles into your everyday life. Think monthly events, dinners with your squad, just having WhatsApp groups and other ways to connect even 
outside of the gym itself, I think is so fun and so interesting to see as somebody who has an online business with a lot of clients that I do connect with in person and have kind of found this interesting hybrid model to go off of. And just seeing that in the fitness capacity versus in just the nutrition capacity is really, really cool for me. So we had a lot of fun in this conversation. Dane is from Australia. So we talked a lot about Australian coffee. We talked a lot about what it's been like for him living in New York city over the past few years, having moved over here in 2019. And I'm just excited to see where this brand goes and see how it takes off. He mentions towards the end of the episode that they will be making their way throughout other parts of New York city for our New Jersey listeners. Hoboken is in the plans potentially as well. So it's, it's definitely one to watch. And if you want to go check them out, I've linked all of their Instagram pages as well as Dane's Instagram page down in the show notes. And with that, let's welcome Dane McCarthy to the fix podcast. Dane, welcome to the Fix Podcast. So happy to have you today and talk all about your brand and all about your gyms. So thank you so much for making the time. And we're going to kick it off with our signature icebreaker question for all of our Fix guests. And I'm pretty confident you'll have a good answer for this because in my research, I actually heard that coffee and going to coffee shops is a part of the programming at uh, the athletic club. So I'm excited to hear your answer to this, but what is your go-to coffee order? What are you sipping on every morning or maybe after class? You know, this has been a transition for me. And firstly, thank you for having me. It's of course. a pleasure. Um, I, I have for a long time been an Americano with um, just a little bit of milk on top, which was an evolution from the Australian flat white. Nice. Now I've, I'm going just pure, hardcore black coffee. That's, okay. Uh, yeah. What's the reason for the change? I, I've never really fasted, but I've been sucked into this algorithm on Instagram that's telling me that it's it's it's, it's good for you to do. So I'm giving it a crack and seeing if it uh if it does anything for me. So I'm I'm probably two weeks into to trying to get get rid of milk in the uh, early parts of the morning. But uh, okay, massive coffee drinker. Like it's my I love it. Me too. I absolutely, hence the question, but I absolutely love it. Now I'm curious as an Australian, like what is your take on the flat white in the U S do we do it correctly? Are we wrong? Do you have any questions for us? I mean, for an Island of convicts, which Australia is, we have a very hoity toity um, belief around coffee. I don't know where we got it, but we just think we are the the best at coffee. And when you go to Australia, have you been to Australia, Krista? No, I need to go. When you go there, you like it's we take it really seriously. Like, there's a cafe okay. in the corner. It's a very different culture in that it's kind of sit down, it's very local. In fact, Starbucks tried to go to Australia and there's a really famous case study um that's taught at business schools where Starbucks tried to go to Australia and it didn't work because it didn't align with the culture. So there's no Starbucks. They tried, they rolled out hundreds of stores and it never worked because our cafe culture is very much um local communities local baristas so um we take it quite seriously so that's a long way of saying that uh your coffee here is not good yeah that's okay hey see like this is why you know coffee around the world is important to experience and yeah i i absolutely like i said i absolutely love coffee um and i appreciate anybody else that does i've recently had more people on her like i don't drink coffee is that okay and i'm like yeah it's totally fine because like your comment around the intermittent fasting trend i think there's a lot of trends around maybe cutting back on our caffeine consumption a little bit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to go there. Me like, neither. I couldn't do it. I tried to do it once for a week. It didn't go well. 
even if the science tells me you can't do coffee, it would be taking away that little bit of joy I have in that morning. Yeah. That sip, it's just, it's too good. It's too good. And this is probably an appropriate time to call out our lovely and amazing Bluestone Lane. They're, uh, they're our partners on on all of our gyms. We, we send all our members. Awesome. Say, they do an incredible coffee. So if you're looking for the closest thing to an Australian coffee, that, that's where you go. I have had their coffee. It's very good. And I was going to ask if you had a specific New York coffee shop that was your fave. So there we go. Yeah, I'm Bluestone till I die. And then in the West Village, um, Blackstone, uh, Sammy, if you live in West Village, you kind of know him. He's the man. He's the the barista there. has been there for like 30 years. Everyone Wow. What's your favorite cafe? Hmm. Okay. So I'll pick local to New Jersey where I live because I have a couple. Um, I have a very good friend who I will shout out. She owns a coffee shop called Shorepore that is in Seagirt, New Jersey, which is down the shore. I don't know if you're familiar with the Jersey shore. If you have yet to go to the Jersey shore, we might need to get you down here. I'm so, yet that to go. Can... so, this, so what's it called? Shorepore. Shorepore, I'm going to hit it. Yeah, it's very good. And then, um, a couple miles North, but also in a close to a beach town. It's not technically a beach town. It's a few miles inland. Um, there's a great coffee shop called Coffee Corral, which is also very good too. And I don't know what it is about the way this place does their lattes, especially like their ice lattes. That's my go-to. It's just re- their milk is very frothy and they just do a really good job of like keeping that consistency versus, you know, when you get an iced coffee or some kind of iced latte and like, it's not really foamy on the top, like a hot one. Yeah. This place has cracked the code on that. So oh, I'll shout it. them out for that. That's yeah. Yeah. And then I actually, there's another place in New York that I'll shout out that's in Soho that they rebranded in the last couple of years, but I partnered with them to do my own white label of coffee. And I actually went to the roastery in Brooklyn where they, they brew everything. And like, it was really cool. I got to see the whole process with the beans. Um, and that is a company called have a nice day coffee. Oh, no. You've seen is them that, before. Is that Aussie? No, Mm-mm, it's not. Okay. One of the owners is Russian. Okay, so no. yeah, yeah, gotcha. but it's a, it's a cute little spot. It's tiny, but it's very good. Oh, and good to hear. I'm gonna yeah. check that out as well. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So there we go. So now that we got all the coffee talk out of the way, we're gonna dive right into it. Um, obviously, I want you to share just a little bit more about the athletic clubs. I know you're. Are you officially open at location number three, or on your way to location number three? Uh, we, we have an outdoor version of location. Okay, nice. We right. finish up our signing of our lease. So that should okay. be aiming to have location three opened um, at the latest October, but we're, we're mm. All right. So we'll call it like 2.75 locations. How about that? We're almost yeah. there. That's awesome. But what I really like to do with guests on our podcast, just to dive right into a more impactful and meaningful conversation is outside of giving us your resume, Dane, tell us who you are. And obviously you can kind of pepper that in, but more specifically, why should our listeners care about what you have to say? There's tons of podcasts out there, right? And they chose to show up and listen to this show for whatever reason. So why would you encourage somebody to keep listening to the rest of this episode? We've uncovered a way of training that we really believe creates accountability and supports mental and physical health. So if you're interested in, in um, thinking about different ways of interacting with your local communities and the um, outcome of that being better physical and mental health, then, then I would listen on. That's where we, we, we've... Um, like to to play, that's our our specialization. We don't we don't talk too much about modality or anything like that, but that's really what we're focused on. 
Awesome. Well, I'm excited to unpack that a little more. So why don't we just get right into this concept of squads? And I know the origin story behind it. If you kind of want to enlighten the listeners, how COVID and working out outside kind of impacted what is now a physical, three physical gym locations. Um, But I think that really is like the unique white space that you guys have found inside of the boutique industry that honestly caught my attention. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. So yeah, the, the, the story is is somewhat accidental. I was really just kind of serving my own interest. And, and that was when I came to the US, I, I loved the workouts um, that I went to. You know, you go to Barry's, you go to all these different workouts. It's high entertainment, high energy. Americans are great for delivering just awesome entertainment, you know, and I, I kind of fell in love with that. What I was missing um, though, and what I noticed was it, it felt a little bit more transactional than what mm. I was back at home, you know what I mean? Because it's so efficient, you're kind of in, you know, you're assigned your spot, you do your workout and then you're sure. out. So I really gravitated back to my roots, which was playing rugby. Um, so I found a rugby club here in New York. It was great. It kind of served that that purpose for me of community. Um, and then COVID happened and kind of everything kind of shut down completely and immediately just started missing those organic interactions with other people, you know, not forced networking, not forced hangouts, but just an organic reason to see your mates, you know, and then hang out with them, get healthy, and then and, and then go and get a coffee. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really what we were doing. It was just the rugby guys um, that 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 I was playing with, who were mostly expats, Aussies. We just when things opened up, we just started meeting outdoors um, twice a week to just do a workout. And then we'd go get a coffee at Bluestone. And that was, it was as simple as that. And as people started like peeling open their doors and getting a little bit more comfortable, mm-hmm. they started, we started getting a lot of interest on the West Side Highway and people asking if they could join. And, and really we would, we weren't a thing. We just said to people, no, not really, like this is that, we're just a group of mates working out, we've hired a coach. Um, and we got so much inbound interest that we ended up going, sure, okay, we'll create another group which we called a squad um, for for people who are interested. And that's really um, at its fundamental kind of level. That's what's different about us. When one of our members joins um, one of our gyms, they join our training squad, which is a group of people, the same group of people that they train with twice a week at a set time with a dedicated coach. And, And why we think that's so important is because the routine locks you in, you know, Rather mm-hmm. than having so many options, you know, you know when you're going to train and who you're going to be with. And so that routine creates accountability. And then we find that accountability um, creates results. Um, so that that's kind of the, the very, very origin story. And I can go further into that or, or, or not, but that's kind of how it got started. That's so cool. And I, I want to talk more about this accountability piece, because as I was doing my research for this episode and listening to some other interviews you've done, I think, and learning about your intake process too, it's really interesting because as an online coach with a nutrition coaching business myself, client fit is really important for me because they're First of all, there's tons of coaches out there, right? And I want to work with a very specific type of client who desires a specific type of result. And for as much as they're applying to be a part of our coaching program, there has to be the fit on both sides. And I've learned even the hard way of maybe working with some people who weren't necessarily the right fit for the fitness fix, but... I think it's really, really interesting to think about this in the group fitness context, because 
I got my start in fitness and group fitness. I've been in some kind of group fitness coaching capacity for over a decade now. And I would say like one of the things that is so interesting about it is it can be very transactional even if you go to class at the same time, pretty regularly, like you still get like a little bit of like a group of people, but I know you guys have WhatsApp groups that you utilize. That's something that has a lot of crossover into the online coaching space as well. And it's almost like you've created this hybrid of like creating that additional accountability outside of the actual workout itself. And removing some of that discomfort of like, okay, if I go to this class at this time, am I going to feel weird? Am I going to know anybody? I don't really know what to expect with the workout. And it sounds like you really kind of prep people for all of that from the minute that you get in touch with them. So describe that process to us a little bit more, because that's totally unique to say, going into an app, booking a bike, booking a spot, booking a treadmill, whatever it is, and just showing up for the class. Yeah. So it's, it's a great insight you had, you know, like people need to self-select and they need to be a good fit. So yeah. we know what we are and that's squad training. And we totally get that for a lot of people, you know, they want to head to the gym. They want to do their five sets of five. They want to plug their ear, headphones in and they might want to get a selfie and, and, and that be it. And there is just nothing wrong with that. You know, like I myself will go and just do my own lifting. Um, so we just know that that's not what we do. You know, what we cater to is a community of people who are looking for other people to train with and get to know over time. So they self-select into that. And we're really transparent at the front end. So as soon as anyone shows any interest, we go, hey, this is what we are. You know, we're squad training. We're about routine. If you're looking for uber flexibility and be able to train at any time of the day, any time of the week, that's just not what we do, you know? And I think people appreciate that we're not trying to sell them on everything or that we're trying to be to everyone. Um, so the process is is really a lot about self-education. We spend a lot of time in our social media just educating our followership around, you know, what we are and what we're not. So we have squads and all that kind of stuff. So as someone kind of goes through the funnel, so to speak, of our yeah. Instagram, they start going, oh, this is interesting, cool. I'm going to kind of interact more and more. Um, and then the intake processes is now is that they would then um, go onto our website. Uh, they would book a call with one of our coaches. Our coaches would, like I said, be really transparent about what we are and determine if, if um, well, not even determine, just kind of put it all out there. And then the, the, the prospect will kind of determine if it's a good fit for them. We don't do any sales training. You know, we're not, we're not trying to sell anyone or anything like that. We are literally just, you know, explaining what we've got. And then if they're interested, we put them into a squad and that's where we really go hyper-focused. You know, once they're in a squad, that's where all of our resources get thrown on onboarding them so that they get a really good experience okay. and getting to know the people in their squad. Cause that's so key. Like that's one of our big learnings is like when we've, missed that opportunity to get people kind of feeling comfortable and feeling like mm -hmm. the squad, they're not going to stick around. You know, they feel like an outsider. They don't stick around. So we spent a lot of time and resources trying to make people feel comfortable and welcome to, to join that squad. And then from there, we, we ended up, if we can do that right, our retention is phenomenal. We'll, we'll sit at probably 98% retention month to month. You know, that's our goal, um, which we're really proud of. And that's um, based on our coaches and, and our incredible members, you know, being super welcoming. I, as you know, a piggyback to that. And again, being in group fitness, I totally understand the power of retention. And that is like a ridiculous stat just to give the average listener context for that. Um, but I'd also love to know what is your referral rate? Like how many of your, I don't know if you have the actual numbers per se, but like how many of your, mem your new members are coming from people who are already part of squats? 
Yeah, we've only just started tracking this, and it's going to be really interesting. We call it the System Works. We've we that's the name of our referral program. Cool. So we've just kicked it off. We don't we don't have the stats there. I'd say anecdotally, it'd be quite high, um, particularly at West Village Athletic, which is. Um, we made a very conscious decision to cap how many people could be at each gym. We, okay. do that, we want to keep that community vibe. It's the same reason why our gyms are called West Village Athletic and Greenwich Village Athletic rather than having a corporate name and then it's huh. just corporate name and then location because we really want to keep that community vibe. So at West Village Athletic, we've actually capped membership. Um, when We're going to stop. We've stopped creating new squads. And so we did it about three weeks ago. We said, hey, there's only 10 spots left in West Village. Um, if you've got mates who want to join, it's it's time to get them get them on board. And we had a flurry of referrals, so that's cool. I would say anecdotally, probably twenty five percent of our members probably come um, from from referrals. That's awesome. Now I want to ask too, with the two days a week, is there any intention behind that, or is that more so because of how you guys were training when you were doing this outside on your own with the coach? Yeah, there there, there is. Yeah, so I mean. It, though if you've played team sports you kind of know that you can't go into the gym and do six days of high intensity interval training you know what I mean because if you are then at some point you're no longer getting the same or the the required output to deliver that session so we we just don't think it's sensible to do six days in a row of high intensity our workouts are designed to be bloody hard, you know, and we, we make them that way um, because we want people to give everything they have. And they're there two sessions where they're really going kind of all at it and okay. then set up on the alternative days, your steady state training. And that's where we really believe people should get outdoors and, and, and develop a running habit because it's free. It's so great for your heart. It's great for your mental health. And it's a great um, parallel to the high intensity strength mm-hmm. conditioning interval training that we do. Um, and gives your body a bit of time to rest. Sure. Know, and then on the weekends, we have a range of options for people based on their goals, Pilates, yoga, um, more kind of strength and conditioning interval training uh, or more just strength-focused, um, you know, sessions. What I also think is really interesting, just from my perspective, I have a lot of clients who they start working with me because of a relationship that we developed in group fitness. So they might feel like they have their fitness routine down, so to speak, but they're not necessarily seeing the results that they desire. And a big missing link is nutrition. What are you doing with, you know, the other 23 hours of your day? How are you sleeping? What's your digestion like? How are you managing stress? all of that. And that's what we really attack inside of our program. But what I think is really cool about what you're doing is I have a lot of clients who I'm sure are listening to this and will nod their heads in agreement. They feel a little bit stuck because they may be at a crossroads in that they love group fitness because they want somebody to tell them what to do and yeah. they don't want to have to figure that out. And they also like the vibe. They like the energy that they can get from being next to somebody else who might push them. But they're at a point where we've kind of capped and peaked of the results that I can get them unless they make some adjustments to their training. It's almost like a different lever that we haven't yet pulled because they've stayed within their comfort zone of staying in that group fitness arena. Now, one of the ways that I try to get them out of that, which is why I asked the question about the two days a week structure and schedule is I'll kind of compromise with them initially and I'll say, hey, can you give me like two or three days a week by yourself. And then two other days, because I agree, I don't think you need to be working out six, seven days a week. We can take active rest days and walk and all that. 
but can you kind of give me this hybrid schedule where you still get your two days of your fix of that group fitness atmosphere, but you're giving me a little bit more just to try something new and see if we can unlock another set of results. So I'm curious, are a lot of your members also participating in other gyms or maybe going into the gym on their own? Like you mentioned, you tend to do. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that that our members are um, supplementing with some other things. You know, Pilates is really mm-hmm. popular amongst a lot of our members. Um, other run clubs, you know, I mean, we've got no ownership on on that at all. Like it, it's um, so definitely people are doing that. I think what's interesting about our model is because there's that fixed routine and there's a dedicated coach for each squad. Um, our coaches can be really specific and personal around the guidance they give them in the session. So it's not like they're rocking up to a class and the group class where the coach doesn't know Sally from Pete, you know what I mean? You go, Hey, I know that person. And I know that they can squat a little deeper, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I know they can be pushing themselves or alternatively, we need to slow things down. You know what I mean? So we kind of get that cross breed between like, private training and then group you get the vibe of the group and you've got a coach that that's being really personal um and then that allows just as you mentioned it's just like you're doing a great job with your clients is being able to say to them after hey maybe you want to you know pull back on you know the hit classes outside of this because you're exhausted you're not able to give yourself the most effort during the sessions why don't you go for a walk why don't you do a run on the off days or maybe maybe you give the weekend classes a miss you know so i think we are trying to balance that and 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 humbly we 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 can do always better at that kind of stuff and making sure that our coach our members are getting something um more prescriptive than than just hey come to class and flog yourself But I love that because I think one of the other things that's challenging about the group fitness space is like, obviously everybody's competing for attention and eyeballs and all that. And I think for as much as companies try to build these cultures and communities, I prefer the word culture, I think. And I'm curious your take on that, which I am going to ask you, but I think a lot of times it turns into that like cult following to the point where the people won't try something else. And then it creates this competition versus saying, Hey, like, let's remember, we're all here to try to get people fit, get people results, live their best and healthiest and most energetic lives. Whereas this design of a two day a week program actually gives even some other gym owner, the positioning to be like, Hey, this is a great add on to whatever it else is. My clients are doing inside of my own studio or my classes or whatever. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and, when we're, and like the fitness industry is a, it's a funny place, right? Because in New York, like it's, it's so dense, mm-hmm. you know, it would be, it would be counterproductive, I think, to be dismissive of other concepts and other types of training, you know, like everyone's kind of got the same goal of helping people get, right. fit, you know, and so if they're doing with me or they're doing with you, or if they're doing it down the street at, 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 at solid core or F45, it, it doesn't really matter to me. And I, and I think about things in seasons as well. Like we totally get that people are going to be with us for a season. And maybe it's that season of, I want to kind of get a cross section of training with a bit of a social kind of element and they do it with us for eight to 12 months. They develop a really cool group of core friends who are interested in the same things as them, mostly fitness. And then they might move on, you know, and that's, that's totally fine. We hope not. We hope that we do a good enough job of like progressing them through their goals. But in the end, yeah, you're right. I think it it really needs to be a balance of our concepts and many others. 
Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit more about this community piece. So I totally stole this from a friend of mine in the industry. And he likes to say that it's not so much about branding your facility or concept around community, because almost everyone could argue that they have that, right? Like how many fitness spaces do you see out there? That's like, we have the best community. We have this community. Well, of course you do. Cause it's yours. And that's how you feel about it. Right. But I think it actually comes down to culture in that you're setting the standard through your squads, through the fact that, Hey, the accountability level is a little bit higher. The expectation of like not skipping class. Cause you know, that a bunch of people are going to send you a message and be like, where were you this morning or tonight or whatever it was. Um, so tell me a little bit more about how you kind of define that. I know a lot of it happened a little bit by accident, but maybe even tell me about how that shows up, like among your employees, or even just like what you see with the interactions among people in their squads, like somebody who might be coming in for the very first time, what that experience is like for them. Yeah. I mean, on the, there's a good point. Like community is such a buzzword, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I almost hate to use it because it just gets washed out. No, I'm yeah. Gonna- where, where where I think um, our approach to community is, it, it's really the core tenant of what we do. You know, like we're not a gym that has a modality which people select us for. You know, CrossFit got really big because people sure. thought this is a crazy new cool way to train. Same with Solid Core. Same for all these kind of concepts. Their their product was their modality, whereas we're quite different. Our product is our community. Our modality is a reason to, or, or yeah, is an organic mode of expressing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I think at our core, we are community and then we're fitness around that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of other places are fitness is their core and communities around that. So that has really informed all the decisions we make right? because if we know that our core proposition is squads and community then the decisions we make from an investment perspective are very different to if we were a modality gym sure know? um and so that kind of that that manifests in a, in a lot of ways like firstly we live and breathe it in that our coaches um and myself included train together in a squad nice it's it's our we call it torquay it's um it's our coaches squad and so we get to see firsthand the impact it has on all of us. And my goodness, it's helped me so many times where I'm just like down, I'm exhausted. And I get to go and see a group of my mates that I've like, you know, developed these awesome mm-hmm. relationships. And they know me so well now. They're like, oh, Dane's had a tough week. You can just tell by his mannerisms. Sure. They'll kind of start leaving me alone a little bit. And they just know yeah. that I'm get down and rip in. Or if I come in, I'm jovial. I'm in that high, happy mood. They know how to respond to that. And I'm the same with the other, the other folk. Whereas I, I go to a regular kind of classes. It's pretty hard to get that kind of to and fro from from the people you're training with. Um, so that th- that's definitely one element of it. You know that that we 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 live and breathe it. Um, and then we just hear constant stories. You know of how squads have like really changed the trajectory of people's experience in New York. Like we have, like you said, the infrastructure around our squads that supports the community. So we have a WhatsApp group um, for each squad. So that really gives the people an opportunity to kind of see via profile who they're training with, with their new, um, and provides an outlet for them to speak with one another inside out of the classes and organize things. Then we have a range of other WhatsApp groups. We've got, you know, Formula One, we've got Barbie appreciation groups, you know, we've got- Oh, that's so cool. Like based on interest. Yeah. Right. So people kind of say, like, triathlon groups, we've got you know, every group you can think of, we've, we've kind of got it. And so that is, is something that's happening. But I think 
what really cool story was when all the layoffs were happening in tech in in New York, there was a WhatsApp group that got started called Job Board. And it was just so cool to see people go, all right, this is someone who's self-selecting to our community. They are into squads and they are into helping each other out. And the amount of jobs that got kind of handed out and given in that period. Wow. The community, I would say six or seven people got hired within four or five months who had lost their job. That's amazing. Yeah. And that that's the kind of stuff where you walk away and you're like, I don't, I don't care how profitable this is. I don't know how like, of course. we'll go where, where it goes. You know what I mean? But if that's, you know, the, what we're creating, then, you know, I'm happy, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to two studios. We'll go to a hundred studios, whatever it needs to be to continue to deliver that. Cause that's the, the really cool stuff. Yeah. I love that. I was even going to ask you like how you see this idea of community manifesting outside of the studio with like how often people actually like organize things to hang out with each other with their squad or whatever. But I mean, that, that story really takes the cake and just like everything that's embodied by it. And I also think it's a very interesting use of tech too, because I was just listening to a podcast as I was getting ready for our podcast and it was talking about AI And I know you're in the tech space too. So maybe you have some thoughts on this, but this person was talking about some of the dangers of AI and one of them being the fact that like technology itself, even just social media, like don't even speed ahead to this example of artificial intelligence, but just this idea and construct of social media is that it's changing the way that people have relationships potentially negatively. And the example that they gave was like, you and I could think we know each other just from following each other on Instagram. Right. And like, I could know all these things about you. You can know all these things about me. Maybe they're true. Maybe it's some of my perception and yours. And then you think that you have this relationship and this uh, person that was being interviewed gave this example that I thought was pretty wild, but he was saying how there are people out there who could be feeling because of social media that they're so connected to like Kim Kardashian. And they think they know her so well to the point that they would actually forego making other in real life relationships with people because this has taken up so much space for them. And I listened to that and I thought, holy shit, that's like, that is a danger. That is a scary part. Right. And I've heard you mention this on podcasts. I've heard it on another podcast recently. I think it might've been on one of Mark Hyman's or either Andrew Huberman's podcast, just comparing loneliness to smoking and how few people, uh, I think men, especially too, it was like something like one in every 10 guys or one in every seven women only have one friend. And that is like a really scary stat. And to tie it all back to the tech, I think obviously a lot of that contributes, but I think it's really cool what you highlighted of, Hey, we have these WhatsApp groups. We have this way that we kind of bring people in. We have other ways for them to connect, but you're still bridging the gap of the in real life experience with their workouts too. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we have to have some sort of tech you know, enablement, you know, yeah. it, we, we otherwise we just wouldn't exist, but like, we are so long, anything that is not tech, <laughs> you know, like, I, and I, maybe it's just because I'm a millennial and I was, did have that kind of intersection between tech becoming everything and doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. In- we're at this like weird spot for our age because yeah. it's not like, Like I can think back to the time when like, I didn't know how to use a computer, whereas somebody who is maybe like 17 or 18, they could have had a computer in their hands, like from a very, very young age. And that's the interesting thing. I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out because like for us, you know, like I'm same as you, like I, 
I can remember times where I had to, I didn't have a mobile phone, so mm-hmm. I'd have to plan to meet someone at a time. Yeah. You know, yeah. if they didn't rock up, you'd just sit and wait. Yeah. Uh, but people only five years younger than me would have never had that experience. So I, my hypothesis is that, and, and my feeling is that the more time I spend on Zoom and the more time I'm on doing stuff digitally, the more I want to just be outside mm-hmm. dealing with other people. So yeah. I love being in Zoom for work because it's efficient, it gets stuff done, but I want to spend time with people, you know, and I don't know if that's if that's the same for Gen Zs. I hope so. I hope that they like, Me too. They, they go, okay, um, I spend this much time on the computer. I want some time away from it. Or maybe they don't, you know, maybe if you've had a laptop in your hand or an iPad in your hand since you were three, maybe it it, 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 it totally um, is okay to have all your relationships digitally. But to your point on loneliness, I think that is that is what I have read and some of the kind of stuff that I've heard is that regardless of your relationships digitally, it doesn't supplement mm-hmm. general relationships, in-person relationships. And that's what we're trying to solve for. Like loneliness is really quite a scare at a quite a scary level. And I think people don't like to talk about it in New York because you talk about this like flash life that you live and everyone likes yeah. to really like show that they're doing all these cool things and they're so busy and they got all these friends it's just not the reality you know I came to New York and I was just working so bloody hard corporate life you know what I mean I might go and hang out with some friends you know for one or two hours a weekend and my goodness everyone would hear about it you know I'd put it on my Instagram you know it'd make it that was my week but sure. it wasn't it wasn't honestly the reality, you know, I didn't have that many mates at all. And I was feeling lonely and super, um, super isolated. But when you're in those moments, you don't actually recognize that you are, you know, you're just like getting on with it. And it's not until you start hanging out with people and getting that, that release of friendship that you're like, holy hell, I was missing this, you know? And so I urge people who are in this, like, you know, really work hard, kind of play hard, um, kind of phase in their life to just just analyze it and just go, hey, maybe I should just see if there's some other relationships I should be exploring, you know, because you don't know until you, you, you're you outside of yeah, that isolation that, that you might be feeling a bit lonely. Absolutely. To your point, I've recently had this own transition in my life because I've pulled back a lot on teaching group fitness and therefore spending less time inside of a gym and the majority of my clients are online, which turns into zoom. And I am, I feel very lucky compared to some other people in my space. My coaching does have the option to meet in person because I have so many local clients, but I have peers who, you know, might live in Texas and they're coaching people in Florida. So everything is via zoom. And I've noticed in the last two months, I like die to go to a coffee shop just to work there, even if I'm on my computer, because otherwise it's me in my apartment with my dog. And I really have just seen a difference. But like you said, it's easy to get into that mode of, oh, well, I'm working on something big. I'm grinding it out. And sometimes I think it's hard, even as an entrepreneur, like people don't always understand the things that I'm thinking about all day long. So then I'm, I'm really looking for those relationships that I can pour into that. And the person has that connection to me too, because it's just like, they get it. And then the conversations you have in person are that much more valuable for you and kind of where you're at in your life. Well, that's a great segue to invite you then to we've one of this, I was saying one of the WhatsApp groups that we have is, is a founders Friday walk. Cool. We set it up and it's just for founders in the community who would just like what you said, they're thinking, geez, I've started something. It's scary. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, um, and so we do a walk every Friday at 8 a.m. So anyone welcome on the call, you know, if nice. you're, and we'd love to have you as well. Uh, 
but it's like you said, it's just that release of, and that, that ability to just get out of your own head a little bit. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And I love that you guys do other things too. Just, I know you mentioned like Pilates and yoga and on the weekends and that sort of stuff. And it reminds me of, I, I don't know, I'm forgetting her name, but I know a girl that I think it was during COVID. She started this, like the, the whole, you know, the like hot girl walk trend that became yeah. TikTok. She started this like New York city, central park meetup. And it's turned into like hundreds of people that go to this walk, which I think is so cool. I, it's, it's, such an exciting time to be in fitness because there are so many great things like that popping up. I don't know if you've seen cool down running. Um, there's dirty bird running. There's our run club. Uh, I'm seeing stuff in, in, in San Francisco. Like there's so many of these things popping up where people mm-hmm. are just like, I've been sitting at a laptop for 12 hours. You know, I, I get up and I go and look at my laptop to get an opportunity to go do that. And so if, whether it's with us through squads or whether it's through whatever's popping up, my goodness, it's helped my mental health. And I know that it's helped a lot of people in our community. Um, so yeah, for any listeners who are there, who are in the grinds, like just find a little community because in the absence of the institutions that we used to have all the time, you know, like mum mm-hmm. talks about going to church all the time. Now she's no longer religious, nor am I making a comment about religion, but what she did have was a consistent reason to go and see people every single sure. day. And she, 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 she talks about that so fondly, you know? And so I think for a lot of people, particularly in New York, who don't have those regular institutions, you can find those in fitness and they're the best um, avenue for it because it's not go out and have sink 24 beers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like go for a walk, it's go for a run, it's that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking my own book, obviously, but super excited about what that can yeah. be. No, you teed up the next question for me too, because I think that this is something I've seen and talked to a lot of my friends about is how important it is to find people that have other common interests as you. And even in relationships, like more like romantic relationships, like we could do a whole podcast just on like the dating aspect. And I thought at some point when you started bringing up the job board example, I was going to ask you if you, you know, if you're responsible at this point for any like marriages or things like that, but we we, we are getting very close. Yeah. I'm looking at you, mate. There's this one, one one couple that I think they'll, they'll be pretty close. Um, If you're listening, mate, make sure you get on that knee. there definitely has we 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 actively dissuade people from getting in relationships within their school which makes sense it could get on thing you know and so we say to people we're like hey look this is your squad there's a huge community you know of Mm -hmm. three gyms yeah you don't need to swim in that very specific way we're all for it you know if you if you we have an event every every month you know i think we we hired an events planner before we hired a head you know so she nice shout out to tor she's incredible so a lot of that happens in those those moments for sure um and yeah i think i think it is a really nice way to meet uh potential romantic partners because yeah interested in community you know they're interested in fitness um and so if that's your interest then yeah great way to meet people and i think that's important too because i often find like you know it's it can be a very different type of person that you're going to meet that say you're meeting at a bar. And like you said, you're having a bunch of drinks versus somebody that you already know has the fitness aspect in common. And they may lead their lifestyle a little bit differently for that reason. Totally. I mean, there's just the different, different um, priorities in their life at that time. And if it's mm-hmm. fitness, then yeah. And again, that's not me saying it's bad to meet people in a bar. Sure. I just, you know, I think yeah. 
I think it's just gotten less and less common, which could go back to the, you know, technology comment too, of how people interact. But I'm curious with your events that you guys host, what different types of activities are you getting people engaged in? Yeah, I mean, candidly, it started with, I mean, Australians drink a lot and it did just start with these big piss-ups where there'd okay. be a DJ and it'd be a lot of drinking. Yeah. And it was great. You know, I think that the thing about alcohol is that that definitely speeds up um, relationships. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like it does. What might yep. take six weeks of getting to know someone kind of incrementally can happen pretty quickly um, after a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. We are moving away from that a bit, like making our events alcohol-fueled. We'll probably have two events each year that are like traditional, um, you know, events at a restaurant or a bar. You know, sure. we do that for our... Um, our end of year gala, which is a fundraiser for the two charities that that, that we work with. Um, uh, so those are more formal events, black tie, and we, we serve alcohol. But for the most part now, we're really transitioning our events to being in-person day activities. So we're going to do an athletic clubs um, games this year. Nice. The other, each yeah. from each club competes against each other and we do that kind of stuff. We did a, a chicken hunt through um, the city, uh, last a lot, couple of months ago. So we're really trying to change our events to be more around interactions, you know, mm. and going out after that, great. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've done chicken hunts. We have a big Halloween party every year. We, we're really important part of our process is squad dinners. So within three weeks of starting a new squad, we like to get that squad out to a dinner together. Cool. Mind just sitting down and having those, those intimate conversations just help so much. After those dinners, you know, all the jitters and awkwardness of being in a group with yeah. someone goes away, you know, and then the next week people are just like, they've become friends and they really start to trust each other. So plenty of events that, that we put on. That's fantastic. I love that. Now, I want to ask you another question. I don't know if this was just more promotional, but I know at one point when I first started seeing you guys pop up on social media, obviously our mutual friend Jair was the connection, but he had... Um, done some kind of event. I think you guys were like in the Hamptons or somewhere and you have this big truck and you go out. Is that just like a way to like make the squads mobile or what, what does that look like? Is that like a regular thing? Yeah. The, the van we bought as a kind of pre-launch tool, you know, so okay. this van and what, what we want to figure out is whether or not our concept is going to work in a certain neighborhood. Sure. What we, we, we did and what we're going to continue to do is we send the van out first and we run outdoor workouts for free and we get people kind of starting to understand squads in that area if we can kind of get critical mass and we see okay cool this community really is looking for something like this then we'll start actively looking for a lease so that's what's happened in williamsburg right we had the van out there awesome just get it you know they're very community focused and oriented people so that picked up really quickly shout out to to mona uh, and avalon two squads that have just started there and who are absolutely killing it uh so that's the kind of pre-launch approach now that we know that it's validated we've now searching a lease and, and we feel a bit more confident signing a 10-year lease when we know that we've yeah, totally three squads yeah that's a great way to do some market research i like it so and now and now we use it for when we do our staff getaways so we do a staff getaway each quarter and really that's just to reorient reorient our staff around our goals mm. and um, make decisions based on our core set of values. So it's making sure that everyone who works with us is, is really clear on what our values are. And then we all together make some decisions about where we're going to invest our time and efforts in the, in the, the next three months. 
that's as you know, again, like having been on the employee side of things, that's really cool to hear that that's very intentional for you. And I think that obviously just speaks to what we were talking about before with this pillar of community, but that really being your culture, that it's something, you know, you've got your coach squads, but also intentionally doing those types of activities and getaways and stuff, I think is, is great to say. It's been so much fun. And we've just been blessed with the most incredible staff led by, by Mac Johnson, who's, he's our, he's our GM. He's done such a great job um, of bringing in coaches. Uh, and then we have like Jess, I brought over from Australia. Like we've just got just the best up. Jair has been an absolute game changer for us. He's incredible. Um, really holds us accountable to, to being the best gym we can be for our employees. Cause it's really easy to get fixed on your members and wanting to be the best gym. Really? But if your coaches don't feel respected, you know, looked after, then what, why in God's name would they look after your members? You know, so we do try and, um, do our best to, to look after our coaches just like we would have squads. Yeah, that's no, it's important and refreshing to hear. And I think it's a testament to why people want to be a part of a company like that and be a part of a team like that and really put all of their energy there versus running around to so many different spaces and gyms and trying to coach in this place and that place. It gets crazy. Totally. I mean, we are, we are, our intent is to have as many full-time coaches on with insurance and co-ownership of our gyms, you know, that, that that's fantastic. Feel like they are because they really are the stars of the show because, and we're asking them to be community managers, not just coaches. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're asking them to start dealing with interpersonal relationships and, and coordinating communities, which is a lot more than just jumping up, you know, and counting five, four, three, two, one. Right. So we we value them so much. And there's been a couple of times where we've had like shortages of coaches and I've had to jump in. And as I'm not a, I'm not a coach, I've never been one. I kind of came up through a very corporate route and my goodness, it's hard, you know, trying to get it is hard. excited while also keeping them safe, you know, mm-hmm. and motivated. It is so challenging and entertained, you know, and then being personable. It, like there's just so many dynamics there that coaches have to juggle. And at, honestly, they're completely underpaid and underappreciated for the work they do because it's it's those people who care so much about other people's health and wellness that are the reason we can have such great outcomes with our members. So yeah. We're- yeah. It's, it is the ultimate multitasker job. Like it just takes multi, like I know people say like multitasking is not a real thing. Go teach a group fitness class. Yeah. And then I will tell you that it is a real thing. And I kept trying to schedule my coaches. Like I would schedule a corporate employee. I'd be like, well, you do five hours here. And I remember Matt pulled me aside and he's like, mate, five hours of your work is very different to five Mm -hmm. hours of my work. Like I can't be five hours on, you know, out the front of a class teaching back to back. I would die, you know? And I was like, I don't know about that. And then I went and did two and was like, you know what I mean? Like as someone who did it, I got burnt out within a year of doing that. It was like four or five days a week, five classes in a row. And trust me, you try your damnedest to make sure that the person who had you at 5am with lots of energy, they get the same coach at 10. Like it's not this thing where it dwindles. It's, you just don't want to do that. And it's so personal. Like people come out of class and they go, I hated that person. I hated that instructor. And it's like, holy hell, like that instructor is doing their best. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, mm-hmm. so yeah, I totally, totally resonates. Yeah. So I, I meant to ask you this earlier because we were talking about like the caps on the number of squads, but what is the cap on the number of people inside of a squad? Yeah. We try not to have squads exceed 25. 
Okay. So our room a decent size. Totally. And our room, yeah. rooms, we, we deliberately keep our spaces small because it creates that intimacy. So it's in a class, it's generally between 16 and 22 people end up being in the class. There's always some traveling or sick or anything like that. And we think that's that's the kind of magic number because you get the vibe, but then it's not so large that you don't know who you're training with. And then you're back into that that problem of of feeling like a stranger in, a, in your workout classes. So yeah, 15 to, to 25 in each class. Cool. And I know that you also have another job, right? While managing this, is that still true? And it's still true. And I so what does your schedule look like? <laughs> I get up very early, okay. but I really am now um, a financial owner in the sense that Mac and Jess and Jair and everyone, they, they really run the show and Michelle, like they're, they're doing everything. You know what I mean? I'm there to, you know, take some risks with money. You know what I mean? And, 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 and kind of shoulder some of the pressures of having a lease, a 10 year lease. So I, I've got all that stuff that risk um on the table but i don't have the the amount of work on the table as they're doing so they're they're really delivering the product so it means that i've still got more than enough time for my full-time job um and so i'm doing that quite early in the mornings then my boss is in london so i do four or five hours in the morning um do one or two hours of the gym and then the rest of the afternoon back to my full-time job Nice. And I think, you know, it's cool as you start to grow to be able to start to make that handoff to other people. And then even just them complimenting maybe what aren't your strengths or your weaknesses and vice versa. Like I know in, in my position with my team, I'm very much the visionary person. And like, sometimes need my, my own business coach does this for me, but like pulls me back in and is like, okay, what are we going to focus on in this quarter? Not like what you're going to do in the next two years. It's so, it's so funny. And I, yeah. and that's, I'd love for you to join this founders walk because I think we all kind of share that enthusiasm for growth and change. And it's, there's so many times where, you know, Max kind of pulled me aside and just been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm through what you're saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to come into the last little segment of the show. And I like to do a lightning round at the end. I'm not super strict, so I won't put a time limit on your responses, but I like to make these like quicker rapid fire kind of questions that are just about fun, various topics. Oh, let's do it. All right. So first question, what would you say is something you miss the most about Australia that you don't have here in the U.S.? Beach. Beach. Without, without a doubt, beach. You're going to have to come to the Jersey Shore, I'm telling you. I know it probably doesn't compare, and I haven't been to Australia, so I can't speak to it, but I used to live in Charlotte, and okay. people would always say, oh, I love Charlotte because it's so close to the beach and the mountains. And I'm like, your definition of close to the beach is not mine. I live now. I could walk and be there in four minutes. But um, when growing up, I could be there in 45. Isn't it? could come to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Make a whole day out of it. It'll be good. Um, what's your favorite restaurant in New York City? Dante, without a doubt. Oh, that was no hesitation. People, I've had a lot of New York guests on my show and they like think on that one. Nah, Dante, like, I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy. Dante okay. is on Perry Street where my gym is and where Bluestone is. So I could literally just walk from West Village Athletic to like Bluestone for a coffee and then come back at night for a dinner and then go to my apartment. Like I'm a very simple guy. <laughs> what do you order there? I'm assuming you might order the same thing every time. Dante has this flatbread and cat shout out to Natalie and, um, they're also Australian, which helps. Oh, but cool. 
that it's the best service, the great food, it's good people watching. So the flatbread they do, and then I just get a whole chicken and their potatoes and I'm a happy man. Nice. You got your protein, you got your carbs, you're covered. I like it. Nutrition approved. There you go. If you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, you can do anything else, like one modality or even like a specific movement pattern, what would it be? I really like thrusters. I feel like every time I do thrusters, I'm booked. Um, so thrusters and of course the obvious, I would be training with my mates. I don't care what it is, what the modality is. I look forward to training because I look forward to seeing my mates. So yeah. if I'm seeing my friends, then like, I don't care what they're doing. I could be running. I could be rucking. I could be doing a CrossFit workout. It, it doesn't, doesn't worry me. Do you still play rugby? I do not. It was getting to a point where um, I'm old and walking <laughs> up to work, work with a black eye just was kind of losing. I, I'm client facing in my role. And so my boss was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't yeah. to work with a black eye and bleeding lip and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you are allowed to, you know, like spill the tea on the answer to this question, but what other cities are we spying for the next potential locations? It's a great question. We think there's a lot more to do in New York for sure, including totally. we're really excited by Hoboken. Um, we, we're looking at San Francisco, um, oh. just so similar to New York. It's so far away though, but there is a lot of similarities in New York. I think a lot of people have written it off, mm. um, which means there's some good real estate opportunities there. True. Um, so yeah, Marina, in San Fran, we're, we're San Francisco, sorry, to the locals there, um, and Hoboken, they're, they're where we're really looking. Nice. Oh, I think Hoboken would be great. I feel like I have, one of my uh, employees actually lives in Hoboken. I feel like she would totally love this. Yeah, I mean, I think we've yeah. seen a great community there. Everyone I've met from there is awesome. They they have retreated there, I think, for a lot of people away mm -hmm. from the and so they're looking for a little bit more of an intimate community vibe. So yeah, it suits us to the bill. Yeah. If you weren't living in New York City or Australia, obviously, but if you weren't living in New York, I know it sounds like you came here specifically for your job, but yeah. where else in the U.S. would you live? I love Austin, man. Austin's yeah. kind of got my heart. I go there every every um, every April. It's got this chilled vibe and then it's got a waterway that runs through the city and it feels a lot like Sydney. Like you get a coffee, you go for a swim and then you go. Oh. So yeah, I'm loving Austin at the moment for sure. Nice. All right. Last question. If somebody only had one takeaway from this entire episode, this whole conversation today, you want them to leave with just one thing, what would it be? Find a squad, whether it's ours or it's a squad in any other way, find a squad. It's, it's just so important. It is. Now, where can we find you? We'll link, you know, your social media and all that stuff down in the show notes, including the um, Instagram pages for the clubs too. Oh, you're the best. I really appreciate you doing that. Um, yeah, you can find McCarthy, Dane, uh, is my uh, Instagram. Would love you all come along. It's a great way to see what we're doing behind the scenes. Um, and, and I talk a lot about why, why we love squads. Love it. And I have to tell you, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about social media, love the videos where you make it look like you find a random person on the street and you're like, Hey, come run with us. I think, I don't know who on your team or if it's you who came up with that concept, but I like it a lot. That's, Honestly, that's the one with the twins caught my attention, which I think is how I ultimately landed on your page, but I've known them for well over a year. And I learned things in that video that I didn't even know about them. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned things about Jair that I, if I've known, maybe I wouldn't have lied him. Right. <laughs> I think I could say the same about Mickey. Those both <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty we, like, we love Mickey as well. We're trying, actually trying to get him on board. Mickey, yeah. still chasing you, mate. We want you. Yeah, uh, he's the best.
So yeah, no, no, definitely. It's it, that was that's full credit to Michelle, who is our incredible marketing person. She's doing a great job. Yeah, super cool. I love it. Very, very unique stuff. Well, thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate having you. And for everybody who tuned in this afternoon, you guys know the deal. If you got anything out of this episode, which I'd be hard pressed to think that you didn't share it with somebody, especially if you know somebody locally who's in the New York area and might benefit from joining one of these squads here, have them go check it out. Send them this podcast episode. It also helps if you leave us a review five stars, of course. So jump over to whatever platform you're listening on. Spotify, Apple podcasts are the top two. Click those five stars. And from wherever you're listening from, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. 